wind whips between your limbs like icy vipers with endless tales of deadly ambition. Can you be tickled to death? Experts say, maybe. It's your Hellgate City Companion, Kirby Bevins. Battered by days of no momentum, I return for glory. I fight. I am the green bud of spring bursting through concrete. My army grows. But the digital dragon knows no bounds. The holophone respects no sounds other than its own notifications. They echo off the chrome canyons of Neo Amsterdam and into the seedy underworld. They send an icy breath to shrivel us in frost. And then, like glimpsing a silent lightning bolt at dusk, we're reminded that the countdown to Cyber Purge has begun. Collectively, we tense up and await the coming thunderclap. to rumors, hot sauce will not stop the Kraken virus. Not even ghost pepper injections. However, one of old Harlem's own, Dr. Sylvestria Engelgates, has a story in the Neo-Amsterdam Times. She reports that medical experts scouring the undertunnels beneath Seneca Park have found a new mutation of the Kraken. Bad news? It's 70% more contagious. They call it the 1B2 scared variant. Dr. Engelgates touts a new experiment from RoboNurture, a respected peer-reviewed journal. It reveals that 1B2 scared spreads by spittle speakers and belters in various choirs and caroling gangs. City authorities already discourage off-season caroling, canting, and chanting. Not only have songsters scuffled with neighborhood watchguards, but the uptick in territorial battles between rival gangs mirrors a new spike in the rate of infections. Aggressive song and dance numbers are becoming a shakedown tactic for loan sharks and extortionists lurking in the darkness. Beware of the sound that goes tap-tap-tap in the night. These tap-dancing terrorists sing a song of trouble. was in another lifetime, one of ignorance and fear, when I learned something very special, dear listener. 
hollow phones were but a figment of one's imagination. You'll probably never unjack from yours in time to see it. See the demons for what they truly are. 364 days per year, we fear their retractable carbon fiber talons, pitch black bat wings, eyes of flame, spiked tails raised. But on the day of the cyber purge, we secretly pray they'll appear. Stand up for us, we plead. Whether we fear the Orgo Horde or the Shorgorg Orb, we all want demons to descend upon our enemies. And all the while, we become oblivious to the deeper dilemma under our own masks. We Amster denizens fear each other. We trust no city blackguard. Even our families drift apart. As our connections to loved ones disappear, cyberposts stay forever, owned by megaglomerates. Even after death, our avatars stand unperturbed. Meanwhile, the human network fades away. You think you die alone, cold-creamed on the day of disenthronement, dry-cleaned by demons, or holy-stoned by a hot-headed Damien. But it hits you that you'll be living alone long before that. And maybe that comforts you. The certainty that by the time your turn comes, the ones you once turned to will be too long for this world. And thus, it'll be easier for you to depart. Unless, of course, you undergo Extendatron sessions in Ascension. But who has that kind of scratch? So you relax and find it easier to loosen your grip on all of this. But no, not that loose. Oh, great. Now you're slipping too fast, losing hold. Oops, you tip over the edge of the metallic cliff. Your principles tumble out like digi-change from your pockets as you hang upside down, dangling from the toe of your grip boot. You stare into the maw of Pandora's abyss. The display of your mind watch, Z-Box console, or holographic hand mirror of doom. And that's when you realize it's time for an orange. The orange-colored fruit. Legally, it can only be grown by today's underwriter, Cybertron. Anything else is not an orange. Which side are you on, Amster Denizen? Is every normal wearing a cyborg's titanium knuckles on a necklace like popcorn on a string down for the cause? Nah. Is every cyborg war-painted with a normie's blood down for the fall? Not at all. But the bloody flux forces us into each other's grills. The ensuing melee serves megacorpos. They want nothing less than to have us turn against each other. Someone defrocked my Lonnie during the cyber purge last week. They attacked us in a peculiar way. What looked like one slender man in a trench coat divided into two. With tactical ferocity, one snatched up our teacup poodle, Azure, 
while the other seized upon Lonnie. Were they marauding her as ritual dictates? Or was someone trying to hurt or silence me by destroying my loved ones? I have no cybernetic enhancements, but Lonnie's hyper arm is hard to miss. And when she bucked and they came for me, calling me a first degree Dendrick, Lonnie saved my life. A vibro katana concealed in one's elbow will do that. However, one of them escaped with Azure. So now it's personal. To our cross-dimensional listeners, the Cyber Purge is a national Amsterdamian tradition. Launched in the 5850s, it was a reaction to an era. It started when cybernetic enhancements began to advantage mostly wealthier denizens across various pursuits, from the quest for educational merit to athletics, employment, and combat, cyborgs, or cybos, have been getting the best of it. Sure, some crippled citizens are merely squeaking by on a rusty robo-leg, but the cyber purge gave seething normies, orgos, and hyper-hippies one night to unleash their primal, screaming rage upon cyber-citizens of privilege. Anyone else was just collateral damage. The rules of the Cyber Purge are simple. To the victor go the spoils, and no legal claims or restitution are honored for events of the night. It happens every year on March 11th. From dusk to dawn, it's on. Knowing of the digital divide and its ramshackle victims, poor tunnel-dwelling mole people and pawns of mega-glomerates, they saw fit to provide a chance for any citizen to rise up and size up a cyber-enhanced stranger, lay siege to her body, and strip it for parts. Yet the scales of fate, we can't really call this justice as it's just the opposite, have swung both ways. Counter-movements sprung up to organize cybos. Ascension rose above our heads. Campaigns to harvest organs, stem cells, and infant blood from orgos have hiked up the stakes even higher. Now, groups like the CyberGuard form a sadistic watch, lashing out at any perceived threat with predatory precision. In response, normies have united into militias. They train together and form alliances that extend well beyond the cyber cleanse. Some keep cybernetic parts and enhancements as trophies, like native Amsterdamians once did scalps. Others sell them on the black market, since grinding out a living, unenhanced, is hard enough. Still, others hack into the cyber guild's machine code and insert computer worms, allowing them to manipulate the cyber gear from afar, after re-implantation. They threaten to Manchurian cyborgs into doing their bidding like servants. Some cybos have been converted into loyal soldiers. Although the irony of keeping cyber slaves as a protest against oppression has not been lost on Hollow News pundits, at Neo-Amsterdam Dimensions, we have increased security protocols. We've discovered switch guns do not work on ambidextrous assassins. The Ascension Ambusher, the Red Rogue, and others claim they shadow the vulnerable and attack only the most unctuous digi-oligarchs. But psycho-killers, demons, and nega-normies 
secretly aspiring to become Cybos, are rumored to be infesting Neo Amsterdam. Paranoid PSAs warn us to check the dreck, drenching our side streets and catwalks. It's as if the vigilance never ends. Luckily, the time has arrived for another titillating tale. Let's embark on a sordid one. It's election night. The cyber purge is well underway, and your disgruntled nanny refuses to leave the bathtub. What would you do? We enter the brownstone abode of the Ralphelsons. They're returning home from a long and debauched cyber purge on election night of all nights. Some years it just works out that way. Granted, it was a congressional election, but after the recent coup, Amsterdamians needed to replace 13 slain centurion senators and hold special elections to fill seven of the 30-odd vacancies left by lawmakers who remain missing due to kidnapping. The Ralphelsons joined a large contingent of semi-powerful, cyber-enhanced people with a lot of pent-up rage to exercise. They've grown weary under plague restrictions. The threat of demons moving into the neighborhood and the neighbors has made everyone edgy. So it's no wonder that when Gilligan and Judy Ralphelson trudge triumphantly into their posh Brooklink's pad, and decide to take a bath to cleanse off the night's blood and viscera, they recoil in shock at the resistance of Slotchka, nanny to their five-year-old daughter, Belvana. She's locked herself inside their only Japanese-style bathroom, where she refuses to leave the extra-deep soaking tub. Gilligan pounds on the door with increasing intensity until Judy hits a breaking point. She points to the pink door that says, Belvana and makes a universal one-finger-to-the-lips shushing sound. Shh. Quit it, Gil. You're gonna wake her and break the door. And you will not be able to find a contractor this week. Most of the good ones have been cleansed from this region after last night's bloodbath. Deep breath, honey. Shut up and stand back. I'm going in. Like hell you are! Didn't you hear me? You're not thinking strategically. It's like the way you treated that Antifa girl in the Blarstex coffee shop last night. For Christ's upload, stop calling her that. Some people just have a balaclava as their lone accessory. It's like a last-minute All Hallows' Eve costume. Doesn't make her part of a brutal vegan co-op or a useful idiot for Sylvie's secret agents. You're right, she probably was just wearing that to get laid by a real MTFA member. Wow. You really hated her. At least I wasn't into her. I saw the way your eyes wandered all over her coveralls. Come on, help me get Slotchka out of here. I need to rinse this stuff off before it congeals. Too late for that, honey buns. Slotchka, we've got to talk. You're not in trouble, okay? We're not going to purge you. Who won? The election? No, Amsterdamia's next top clone. Of course.
push the election. It's still too close to call, dear. Judy? Surprised you made it back. Why would you say that? Why would she say that? I don't know. Maybe she sees you as a vulnerable waif. Gilligan told me you might not survive this one. Promised you'd let me move in if you didn't make it. That's not true. She's bluffing. Now, you know I never said anything of the sort, Slotchka. Take that back. <laughs> Take it back? Like you're taking it back? Take back, that's everything with you, Gil. Some things you can't take back. I think you know that. What the hell's she talking about, Gilligan? You slept with her, didn't you? You son of a big box. It's... it's so cliché. Tell me you knew better than to squander 13 good years of marriage on this bathtub-hogging digi gold digger. The jig is up, Prissy. Get your cheating ass out of my tub and our home. You're lucky we signed a do not dismember contract, but there's nothing keeping me from sending your ass to Gilligan's Isle. Whoa, Judy, you got this all wrong. Don't point that at me. No, no, no. Not the Mega Kettle. We'll have to check back on old Gilligan next week to see if he made it to a sandy beach near nowhere. Who knows? Maybe Slotchko will join him. We'll be placing bets on whether their budding romance survives the first hurricane. Next up, Princess Harriet, caught with her hands in a toner cartridge, confesses to an inky addiction. She tells us how it led her down the path to disowning the royal family of Brixtonia. She just wants to be a normie. But can a regular Cinderella starting from the bottom of Ascension stir the hearts of Neo-Amster denizens? Or must she start blindfolded in the undertunnels, fighting on one leg for the last dose of Kraken vaccine? Meantime, cling to your paramour as the battering ram blasts your door. And may the Leviathan's prehensile testicles Adjust your child's ever-slipping spectacles. From all of us at WNAD, thanks for absorbing our otherworldly edition of Hellgate City Companion. I'm Kirby Bevins, your host in the Techno Labyrinth, blasting off. This is Season 1, Episode 7 of Hellgate City Companion. If you'd like to help grow the show, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. Or you'll put a gag on them. That's a governing authority group. And going forward, you can now support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Hellgate City. Do it. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast Addict, and every major listening app. If you're listening on a smartphone, 
tap or swipe up on the cover art of the podcast, you'll find the episode notes and links to things like our Patreon. So follow us on socials at the handle at symbol Hellgate City. Thank you and Godspeed. Screaming Panda presents Hellgate City Companion, created by Kevin Barry. Sound design and audio post-production by Dom Stores. On the web at domstores.com, D-O-M-S-T-O-R-R-S. And on social media at dom underscore stores. Original score composed by Cheska Navarro. Online at cheskanavarro.com. C-H-E-S-K-A-N-A-V-A-R-R-O. And on social media at Cheska underscore yo. With additional music by Kevin Durr on the web at hereandnowsounds.com. And on socials at K-E-V underscore D-U-R-R. And by Aaron Jones on the web at soundcloud.com forward slash the candle mambo written and performed by kevin barry online at kevinplease.com and on socials at barry b-e-r-r-e-y for more information visit hellgatecity.com